0: This morning, guys, we're gonna continue. We're gonna, you know, have Moses still. Okay, he's talking with God. The burning bush there up on the mountain, okay, and this is gonna happen until verse 18 in chapter four here. And we need to learn the same five lessons that Moses learned with his time with God on this mountain. First, we must stop making excuses. We saw that last time, right? And are we good at making excuses? Oh, yeah. If you want to learn how to make excuses, hang out with me for a little bit. I'm pretty good at it. That's part of our human nature, our tendency. And we also looked at that we must start trusting the promises of God. Okay? We have to trust. It's one thing for him to have these blessings and promises for his people, but do we actually enter in? Do we trust him at his word? So God likes using weak vessels. That's what we saw and considered last time and do you guys know that god gives grace okay to those who are weak you guys remember the apostle paul the thorn in the flesh he kept praying that god would help him out that he'd be delivered from that but god said hey my grace <laughs> in your weakness it's going to suffice for you and the cool thing about being weak when we're weak what are we told in the scriptures He is strong, right? Okay? And in that, he gives us his strength. And we get to work from that. So Moses' first excuse was, Who am I? Look back to chapter 3, verse 11, right? You know, Who am I, God? (laughs) You know, you're, 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 You're wanting to use me? You want to do something through, Who am I, right? And the answer is, I will be with you. It's not about who you are. It is about me being with you. That was his first excuse. And then his second excuse is, what am I supposed to say? You see that in verse 13 there? What am I supposed to say? And the answer was what? Hey, tell them my name and tell them my word. I am who I am. And say to them, (laughs) declare to them who I am. And that's what we get to do, right, guys? We're just reporters. We get to go share the good word. What has God said? I had a neat opportunity to go with my dad to see some family this last week in Chicago. It was really cool. And there was a lot of spiritual conversation that came up. A lot of my family has a lot of spirituality. But ultimately, in all that talking and conversations and thoughts that we all have concerning God, what does God say? That's what matters. And that's what we get to do is report. Because we can have all the thoughts in the world about God. It doesn't matter what we think. Who is God? What does he say? So now let's move on, guys, to excuse number three. We'll read here in chapter four of Exodus, verse one. We're going to see him saying, I'm inadequate. Moses answered and said, "But suppose they will not believe me. Or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, the Lord has not appeared to you. So the Lord said to him, what is in your hand? And he said, a rod. And he said, cast it to the ground. So he cast it to the ground and it became a serpent. Moses fled from it. And the Lord said to Moses, reach your hand out and take it by the tail. And he reached out his hand and he caught it. And it became a rod in his hand that they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Furthermore, the Lord said to him, now put your hand in your bosom. And he put his hand in his bosom. And when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. And he said, put your hand in your bosom again. So he put his hand in his bosom again, and he drew it out of his bosom. And behold, it was restored like his other flesh. Then it it will be, if they do not believe you, nor heed the message of the first sign, that they may believe the message of the latter sign. And it shall be, if they do not believe even these two signs, or listen to your voice, That you shall take water from the river and you shall pour it on dry land, and the water which you take from the river will become blood on the dry land. So, did you guys catch his next excuse here? They will not believe or listen to me, right? Verse one. Well, what's the answer then? Well, the answer is I will empower you, I will give you signs. A snake? <laughs> That's a pretty cool sign. How many of you guys like snakes? Right? Mo freaked out, didn't he? Woo! <laughs> you know? It's a snake. Um, I remember growing up, our family had a pet shop downtown Appleton. Okay? And my mom asked me to come work for her after my grandfather passed away. And we started getting a bunch of reptiles in the store. You know? And no matter how many hundreds of times I had to handle the snakes, I was always scared of the snakes, (laughs) even though I hadn't been bit, although growing up I had been bit. How many of you guys ever played with a grass snake or a gardener snake? You grab them by the tail, and what happens when you grab them by the tail? Well, they might not have big fangs, but they whip around and latch on, don't they? And that hurts. Well, I'm dealing with these snakes in the pet store that have (laughs) fangs. So I just like, don't grab it by the tail. (laughs) Got used to grabbing it by the head. But I never got used to holding snakes. I know some people really enjoy snakes. But let me tell you what. When you got a ball python that's, they're babies in the pet store. They're small. But even the babies, when they wrap around your arm and begin to, you know, squeeze, it hurts. (laughs) You know? So... This is what's going on with him. He has this rod in his hand. And God says, hey, cast it down. And it turns into a snake. So the third sign, he cannot perform until he actually gets into Egypt. Did you guys catch that? So if that's something he has to wait on, does that sign take faith? Yeah. Okay. You're going to have to have faith, Moses. So in verse 2, what is in your hand? What is in your hand? I think that's a good question that you and I should ask ourselves. What is in our hands? Well, for him, it was a staff. And God says, I'll use that. Right? Our means his power. What do we have? What can God use? You guys remember what David had in his hand? It's a rock. Well, good. God will take that rock and make it a Hollywood headshot in the ocular cavity of Goliath's forehead, right? <laughs> how about Elijah? You guys remember him? We studied him at our men's and women's retreat this last year. What's in your hand? Hey, it's my cloak. I will take it and I will fill it with a double portion of my spirit when it is passed on to Elijah. Well, how about Elijah then? What's in your hand? Okay. Okay. Well, you guys know when he asked the newly widowed woman, asking for some benevolence, some help, what do you have in your house? And she said, hey, I just have a jar of oil. That's all I got. Well, I will take that and multiply that oil to match the number of jars that you bring. You guys remember Samson? What did he have in his hand? Just an ordinary donkey jawbone. And I will take it. And I will it will become like a Star Wars lightsaber, right? And I'll take out a thousand <laughs> Philistines with just a jawbone that's in his hand. How about a little boy? I just have a lunch. I have my lunch. What does God do with what's in that little boy's hand? You know, I got my little teenage mutant ninja turtle lunchbox. <laughs> you can have it God and Jesus took it and multiplied that little bit of food to feed 5,000 people a pita filet fish lunch so little is much if God is in it an ordinary thing becomes supernatural a supernatural thing because size never determines power stick rock cloak jars jaw blown lunch In the hands of God, watch out what an ordinary thing can do. Today, He might want to use your vehicle. We all have one, just ordinary vehicle. Maybe it's your time. Maybe it's time that you stand at the store waiting in line to strike up a conversation. Maybe it's pumping gas at the gas station. Nine years ago to the day, today, we were having an inductive Bible study seminar here at the church. We were teaching our people, you guys, how to study the word of God for yourselves. It was a good time. Nine years ago, today, right after we left, our brother John Stoffel had to stop to get gas in his car on his way home to Nina. And he was so thrilled and stoked about what he was studying from the Word of God. He shared with the person at the pump next to him the gospel of Jesus Christ, a guy by the name of Jesse, and John got to pray with him to receive the Lord. How cool. Just pumping gas. Here I am. Give me whatever, guys. Maybe you're in a season of education. What does God want to do with that? What does he want to do with you just as you go to school every day? It's really whatever you're willing to offer him. Are you guys getting the point? This is what I have. What do you want to do with it? So the Lord today will take us as we are and he will utilize what we have for his glory. Dang, that's pretty good, Pastor. Can you say that again? I would love to say that again. The Lord today, he will take us as we are And he will utilize what we have for his glory. Now, let's look at the fourth excuse. Okay, I'm in eloquent. Verse 10, Moses said to the Lord, Oh my Lord, I'm not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and I am slow of tongue. So the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Or who makes you mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I, the Lord? Now therefore, go, and I will be with your mouth, and teach you what you shall say. Wow. Moses is excuse after excuse here, guys. And this is the last one, the fourth one, as we see here. I'm not eloquent and what's the answer God gives? <laughs> I will be your mouth. I will be your mouth. Did Moses have a bad memory? Because he was a powerful speaker. We're told in Acts seven twenty two that he was mighty in words, in deeds. And maybe after forty years now of him being out in the desert, okay, he felt that his talent, his talents, that they were old, they were withered, they were no longer. Good. Obviously he felt inadequate. And some of us tend to do that when we get older. Well, I can't do what I did. I'm not as strong as I was. Great. You qualify. You are weak. Watch out what God can do through you. I truly believe, guys, that the best is yet to come. Do you guys ever think about what the next ten years might be? Twenty, thirty, forty you believe that god's going to do more through your lives i do because he's god and that's what god does god takes an oldie 80 year old moses and chooses to use him at that time in his life well wouldn't have been better off when he was 30 maybe 40 nope (laughs) this is when he's broken this is when he's weak this is when he thinks he has excuses That's, guys, when God can work through a person. He can work through anybody. So the Lord's answer, I love in verse 11, it was very direct and therapeutic, wasn't it? Moses didn't need a refresher course at the Toastmasters public speaking, you know, tips. Okay, he he just needed to trust God. You see, what he needed was to trust God's ability and his promises to supplement his weakness with divine strength. Does that preach? Absolutely. Because this is the reality in which we live, guys. So did you guys hear in verse seven, here 17? God is not ashamed of owning the making of some people mute, deaf, or blind. He owns that. You guys might have a disability. Or why don't I have that? Or why am I not like them? To be honest, guys, I would rather have a God that you don't understand, but has the best for you, then oops, (laughs) didn't see that coming type of God. God knows, God knows. He'll take those weaknesses. I remember early on, one of the first things that I had um, when I started school is they found out that I had a speech impediment. So I got special classes on how just to talk and even to this day, guys, I don't feel qualified. There's a lot of vocabulary that I would love to share with you at times to really bring home a point, but I can't even pronunciate that word, so I don't even use it. But does that stop God from doing what He wants to do? No. Do you guys know that we're just vessels? Lord, what do you want me to do? You know, who am I? Well, I'm nobody. <laughs> speak okay what do I speak you know oh there's a guy at the gas station I should go introduce myself and talk to him I don't know what I'm going to say but I love Jesus and I want to know if he knows Jesus too (laughs) it can be as simple as that just go and do what the Lord wants you to do and what will you use whatever you have I want to go back just for a moment because I feel like I need to share this story with you guys Um, Moses the rod right I want you to cast it down. The thing that's in your hand, (laughs) cast it down and let the snake out. There was, I think it was seven, eight years ago now. I'm preaching here on a Sunday morning and I'm watching the clock, okay? At that time, it used to be on the back wall because we had a big wall here in that little area back over there, guys. That's all we had for our sanctuary area, our gathering area. So I'm standing over there, I'm preaching this way. I'm looking at the clock on the back wall, and I'm like, whoa, the Packers play at noon, and we're getting close to noon. I want to go home and watch the Packer game. I want to get out of church. (laughs) The Holy Spirit just slammed me right at that moment. And I was so convicted, like, whoa, I'm more excited about a bunch of guys who like to wear tights and throw a little ball around than being here with God's people that you've called me to minister to. God asked me, To lay down, cast down. You're done with the Packers. Gave it down. Let the idol out of your heart. The snake came out. I didn't watch a Packer game the rest of that season. I was done. I wasn't going to allow that thing okay, to keep me from what God was asking me to do. I gave it up. And I love it. I don't watch any other sports anymore. I used to watch tons of sports. Packers is the only thing I watch. You want me to give that up, Lord? So I laid it down, the snake came out, and I felt a year later the Lord said, pick it back up. Let me tell you what, since that day, guys, it might run through my head, hey, the Packers are playing at noon, but you know what my first thought is? Who cares? I still can enjoy football, but it doesn't have a hold on me. The snake is no longer there to bite me, to poison me. We're set free, and there may be things in your life that, in and of themselves, they're okay. But we've allowed a wrong place in our heart. It's become an idol. It can be anything. It can be family sometimes. It can be our career, our work, our stuff, our cars, our houses, whatever. And God may ask you, "Hey, I want you to cast that down. Let the snake out." And if that's all that is, it's great. And He maybe will say, "Pick it back up one day." But I think, guys. When the Lord tells us to do, to let go of something, we need to do that. But that's hard when it's idle, right? Because we want to lay hold. We don't want to let go of that thing. Just let it go. And watch out what happens. Are you guys ready for another excuse of Moses'? All right, let's pick it up in verse 13. We're going to see Moses' excuse here is, hey, just use somebody else. Please send somebody else. Verse 13, but he said, "Oh, my Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may send. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, Is not Aaron, the Levite, your brother? I know that he can speak well. And look, he is also coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. Now you shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I shall be with your mouth and with his mouth, and I will teach you what you shall do. So he shall be your spokesman to the people, and he himself shall be a mouth for you, and you shall be to him as God, and you shall take this rod in your hand with which you shall do signs." So, it's kind of like, Moses, you're out of excuses now. I mean, that's what it's kind of coming down. Like, what other excuses can you come up with? Okay, it's kind of like a child that's, you know, got every reason not to do their homework. And you finally get to the point of, well, I just don't want to do my homework, right? (laughs) That's our tendency as human beings. We can keep coming up with these excuses and finally... You know, Moses runs out here. So, God, I, I don't have the credentials. I'm a nobody. That's my buzzer. <laughs> okay? Guys like that, that doesn't work, right? God, I, I don't know what to say. <laughs> well, God, no one will believe me. God, no one learned me how to speak. <laughs> right? So please send someone else. Please send someone else. We come up with excuses all the time. So the fifth excuse that we see here, someone else would be better at the job. That was his excuse. But the answer was, but you are my choice. Do you guys know know that God has chosen you? You are chosen people. And God has a chosen purpose for your life. However, he says, I will send someone with you. Isn't it cool to minister with somebody? Do you guys know that when Jesus sent out the disciples to preach the gospel, do you just send them out one by one? Go by yourselves. No, send them out two by two, right? Isn't it cool to have a brother, sister to walk with, to serve with, to minister with? So the Lord here, we see that his anger was kindled. That's it, little Mo. I can't take any Mo. So listen, this is another snapshot really of our incredible God here. He's angry, yet he responds graciously and mercifully, doesn't he? So in the presence of Moses' weakness... God provided a helper. In our own times of weakness, God finds ways to help us accept his calling. So instead of pushing us, he provides for us. Have you guys ever heard before where the Lord guides? He provides. That's our God. I think we've all asked the question, who? <laughs> Me, Lord, really? I think we all have done that. I want us to consider six questions as we begin to wind down here in chapter four. First question being, how do you demonstrate straight resistance to God? Probably a lot like Moses, right? What excuses do you have? I don't have the time. I don't have the resources. I don't have the ability. Another question is how important is it to you to have all the answers? Because our lives really are a walk of faith, aren't they? We walk by faith and not by sight. But Lord, if you're calling me to do this, I wanna I wanna flesh this out with you. Okay, how does this work out? What's the plan? Okay, I want a detailed plan here. I want to know what step one, step two, what step three is gonna be. Just step out of faith is what God says. This is what I'm asking you to do. And I'm gonna give you everything needed to do it. I'm just asking you to take step one. Just trust me. Obey. Another question. How do you handle feelings raised by the fear of not having the respect of others? They know me. (laughs) What will they think if I do that? Don't you know that public opinion is this? Don't you know that culture is saying that? The world wants this, and you're asking me to do something totally contrary? What are they going to think? What qualifications a person to have to have to be effective, to effectively be used by God? Some of us don't feel qualified enough. I'm not good enough. I haven't been a Christian maybe long enough. I didn't go to school. I haven't studied the Bible enough. We're good at excuses, aren't we? What are some ways to be certain you are hearing God's voice? Is that really you, God? Are you speaking? There's too many people who try to figure out what God is saying without looking at what he has already said. I've been guilty of that. In a lot of counseling with some of you guys and many people over the years, there's been a lot of that and that's gone on. I just want to know what God wants. What does he want me to do? You guys ever feel when you just open God's word, he speaks to you like, oh, oh, that's what you want this is pretty simple this is pretty clear you're very direct maybe I should just worry about doing that I've been in a season again I'm going to confess to you guys because I know you'll pray for me (laughs) I've been in a season it's not just a few weeks or a few months I'm starting to get into almost a few years of really asking of the Lord for some clarity on things And I keep feeling through the whole thing, the Lord just asking me, hey, just be faithful with what I've asked you to do. And that sometimes has meant that I've had to step away from other things and just do what He's asking me to do, even though those are good things and I want to do those things and they're things of the Lord. Just doing what He's asking. And I keep asking for clarity. You guys ever have a season like that? Like, I just want to know. I just want to know. But there's been one foundational thing through all of it, guys. It's his word. It's coming back to those questions. Even when I have fears rising up in big question marks, just a daily discipline of going to God's word, he answers and says, This is it. <laughs> but what about that? Well, that doesn't matter. This is it, son. Today, <laughs> if you hear my voice, okay? And you don't harden your heart. (laughs) You can enter my rest. And I really feel, guys, that's what my soul, our souls really need. It is just Christ himself. And isn't that what the word speaks to us so clearly? It is him, period. Even this morning here in Exodus 4, isn't this all about God? It's about him. Oh, yeah, (laughs) Moses and Aaron will be vessels that God worked through, but it is him. It's about him. So I want to encourage you guys. Stand upon what God has already said. And if God speaks to you clearly about something else, great. Do it. Pretty simple, huh? Some people, well, I just want to hear from God. Do you guys know that a lot of believers never hear from God? And they walk around, "Whoa, is me. But God has spoken in these last days through his son. He's revealed himself to us. We have his word. We are blessed, guys. God is speaking. And if he speaks something else to you, great. God's spoken to me a lot over the years. To be honest with you guys, it's nothing super profound. It's a needed word in a needed time. But it always comes back to something he's already spoken to me. It's already there in his word. So I want to encourage you guys. You know, be open to what God is speaking to you. Um last question, then we'll move on. How do you appropriate God's power in your life? How do we appropriate that? Ask, right? Keep asking, keep seeking. knocking allow the Holy Spirit to work through you guys because that's when things happen that we can't do in and of ourselves so those are just a few questions that kind of come back around Moses' excuses the reason why I slowed down a little bit because I think we need to ask ourselves those questions and it's good to pause and actually consider pray through these things So let's move on. As we pick up in verse 18 here, there's going to be the stop resisting and then start resting. So Moses went and returned to Jethro, which is his father-in-law. And he said to him, please let me go and return to my brethren who are in Egypt and see whether they are still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, go in peace. Now the Lord said to Moses and Midian, Go, return to Egypt, for all men who sought sought your life, they're dead. And then Moses took his wife and his sons and set them on a donkey, and they returned to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the rod of God in his hand. And the Lord said to Moses, When you go back to Egypt, see that you do all those wonders before Pharaoh, which I have put in your hand. But I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. And then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. So I say to you, let my son go, that he may serve me. But if you refuse to let him go, indeed, I will kill your son, your firstborn. So in verse 18, guys, here, Moses now leaves this burning bush experience that he's had and he heads back to Midian. and somewhere in between Moses stopped resisting God and he began resting in him. So wait, <laughs> does this principle imply to circumstances you know will always work out when we want them to uh, when we put God first? Well of course not. okay? Don't read that into that. That's just not true. Okay? If it did, you, we would manipulate God. And that's not the way God rolls. But what it does do, no matter what negative situations come our way, God will lead us through them. That's what we know of our God. That's what the scriptures teach us. And if we follow his lead and trust him fully, okay, he's going to see us through now Moses handles this very gently here. He's asking his father-in-law to give up his daughter and two grandsons. And he also frames it as a request rather than a demand. Okay? Again, trusting God for the outcome. If I say, "Hey, I met God," you know, he might think I'm some emotionally unbalanced dude, you know, hearing things. You know, and he might not believe me, okay? Or maybe he's thinking I'm too dangerous to take his daughter and grandkids. Well, what's the result here? We're told that Jethro gives him not only his permission, but he also blesses him. Isn't that pretty cool? So in verse 20, he's heading back to Egypt, but I want us to note this, okay? He's no longer it's no longer the shepherd's staff. In fact, it wasn't even his anymore. Whose staff is it? It's God's staff, right? Moses took the staff of God in his hand. So God continues today to take possession of the things we will use for his glory. Isn't that cool? Do you guys recognize that? Do you know as a believer in Christ, all we are, all we have really is his? Do you look at it that way? Do you look at Your home, the things you have, it's not mine. It's yours, God. What do you want to do with it? So, maybe it's our voice. Maybe God wants you to use your voice to witness. Maybe your voice is supposed to be singing. Or your hands, what acts of service. God, what do you want me to do with these hands? You want me to give a cold cup of water to someone in need? You want me to serve the poor? You want me to wash somebody's feet? Verse 24 And it came to pass on the way at the encampment that the Lord met him and sought him to kill him. And Zipporah took a sharp stone. And cut off the foreskin of her son to cast at the feet, at Moses' feet, and said, "Surely, you are a husband of blood to me. So he let him go. And then she said, you are a husband of blood because of the circumcision. Now first, guys, as we read this, you know, if this happens in marriage, uh, there's obviously tension taking place, Okay. And I would highly recommend getting some counseling as soon as possible. Secondly, <laughs> this is a non normative situation going on with a normal man. Okay, so we see the great lawgiver breaking one of the few known laws. God keeps telling Moses, hey, I am the God of Abraham. Abraham was given a sign and a covenant. Moses, I am the God of Abraham. You are one of his descendants. You are a Jew. I have a covenant with you, right? And that is of circumcision. And now we see Moses trying to go back to Egypt without circumcising his sons. So he tells Moses, you know, hey, you're no different from the Egyptians except... For the blood and the covenant. And if you do not keep the sign, you're no different. So we have Zipporah, his wife, acts heroically here over her headstrong husband and says, Hey, I will do this. So she circumcises her sons, which really should have been done by their father. So here we once again have a woman in Moses' life that saved him. You guys remember his mom, right? His sister, the princess, now his wife. So, it's an endearing comment, okay? Uh, we really don't know the tone in which she said that. I read it one way and I try not to do that and reading it to you guys. Because we really don't know in which tone she was saying this to Moses, okay? If it was an endearing comment or a sarcastic, hateful one, we really don't know. So you're a bride of a groom of blood, covenant to me. So maybe she was repulsed by the rite. Maybe, you know, the three went back to Midian so the boys could recover. Okay, the first five verses in chapter 8 or 18. don't know. I do want to share with you um, something neat I read this week. Nikos Kazaskaniskis. I think is how he says. I don't know how he say his last name. <laughs> Anyways, he was speaking about three different types of souls, three prayers, and he he wrote this. He says, "I'm a bow in your hands, Lord. Draw me, lest I rot. Do not overdraw me, Lord. I shall break. Overdraw me, Lord, and who cares if I break?" I think Zipporah was probably in the third category there. And this, guys, is the same thing that really separates you and me from the world today. It's the blood in the covenant. Do you guys get that, precious saints of the Most High? It's because we've been bought with a great price. The blood was shed, and we have a new covenant In that blood. The covenant of Jesus. So I want us to remember, guys, the definition of God's covenant love. You guys remember, it's a never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. That's our God. So let's wrap this up. Look at verse 27. Some visitations here. And the Lord said to Aaron, go into the wilderness To meet Moses. So he went, and he met him on the mountain of God and kissed him. So Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord who had sent him, and all the signs which he had commanded him. Then Moses and Aaron, they went, and they gathered together the elders of the children of Israel. And Aaron spoke all the words which the Lord had spoken to Moses. Then he did the signs in the sight of the people. So the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel and that he had looked on their affliction, then they bowed their heads and they worshipped. Now God visits Aaron at Sinai, who goes and visits Moses, who both visit the elders, the people who finally realize, hey, God visited them. (laughs) God has heard our cries. Here we are in Egypt, the world, and we are slaves. And we've been crying out to our God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he has heard our cries. He has spoken to us. They believed. And I want us to note verse 31, this little word, God visited, visited, okay, is a very important word. It's one of those words we got to understand the definition too because it means to feel concern or the interest of someone else. Do you guys believe that God is concerned with you? Absolutely, guys. He cares for you. He has that concern. It's actually where in the New Testament we get the word for pastor or bishop, episkopos. It's the shepherd's heart, a feeling of concern, or interest for others God is caring for us in such a way so we see throughout the Bible guys God visiting and rescuing his people what a God what a God so it means getting involved with them okay you guys know that our brother James tells us in James 127 that religion uh, that is pure that's undefiled before God the, uh, before God the Father it's to visit the orphans and the widows. That's religion to our God. Do you have concern for? Do you care? That's real religion because that's God's type of religion because that's his heart because he does care. In Jeremiah's prayer, in Jeremiah 15, 15 oh Lord, you know, remember me and visit me or attend to me was his prayer and i want you guys to notice that god's holy visitation here leads to what holy exaltation that's what will happen every time if you are in a season of life where you're having a hard time exalting the lord i don't think you're experiencing the lord you need to be in that place of seeking him setting your heart towards him to experience him in such a way because when we do that when we have that visitation from god we find ourselves worshiping the lord and he's promised hey if you draw near to me i will draw near to you but we have to position ourselves that's what i love about you guys you're here this morning because you're seeking the lord that's why you're here and god honors that he shows up every time when we truly set our hearts to seek him. He's not going to say, hey, you got to do a little more. <laughs> no, he's eager to meet with us, to be with us. So, because he's a God who doesn't leave us in our afflictions, okay, they bowed and they worshiped the Lord. That's so cool. So, today, guys, as believers, we have experienced God's holy visitation. And because he has visited us, He sends us to visit others in their afflictions. Okay, How many of you guys know people who are going through things? We all do. And we have the blessing because with the comfort in which we've been comforted, we get to comfort others. Yeah. Life does stink sometimes, but there is a hope. There's some good news. The gospel is reality. And we get to share the love of God with others. So we end with them worshiping here. I love how this chapter wraps up, okay? Where we began with them doing what? Groaning. (laughs) Groaning to worship. That's our God. So what's missing most today, I think is this elevated view of God, okay? Did Moses and Aaron get a glimpse of God? yeah (laughs) were they in awe yeah (laughs) they shared with the people were they in awe with what, what happened yeah and that's what happens guys god should be exalted in such a way so moses just received okay when they had this elevated view of god he received we here at freedom fellowship desire you know, for you to experience the Lord, okay? I believe God does that, that we have an elevated view of God. That's what it's about. My prayer this week is that as we leave this morning, as we leave what God has for us in Exodus chapter 4, that we're just more in awe of who God is. This is our God. This is what he does. So let me tell you what, guys it's real he is there this is what he does so in the few minutes we have left guys we're gonna share in communion this morning as we saw here in exodus 4 god is a covenant keeping god and i want to read with you guys from jeremiah 31 if you turn there in your bibles at this time i just want to read a few verses that speak to the new covenant one of the neat things about studying the Scriptures is we know that God is a covenant-keeping God. He's faithful to His Word. So let's take a look in Jeremiah 31. I'm going to jump down to verse 31. It tells us in verse 31, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, When I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand and I led them out of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord, but this covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and I will write it in and on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. That is our God. And that sounds pretty personal, doesn't it? And that's the new covenant. And we're going to study through Exodus, Lord willing, get through the end and we're going to see God deliver his people. But even after they're delivered, what do they do? They turn their back on them. In the new covenant, guys, it's a little different. Because God, through what he did on the cross, he makes a covenant that is very personal. It's not just a Moses who's going to hear from God, going to know his law, but he's promised to what? Hey, I'm going to put it in their minds. I'm going to put it in their hearts. And that's what happens when we put our faith in Christ. We are born again of the Spirit of God, the Spirit which sheds abroad into our hearts, the love of God. And he goes on to say, hey, you're no longer going to need teachers. Okay? Some of you guys feel like, well, Pastor, you're the one that hears from God. You're the one who gets his word, and you just need to tell me what it's all about. And if you have the Spirit of God, man, skills are removed. God speaks. You can study his word. You can hear from him. And I encourage you guys to do that. And even as now if we could have a couple of guys come up and hand out communion at this time. I want to leave just a few minutes and I want you guys to go through some of the stuff we covered, okay? Because one of those things that we come to the Lord's table we're told to do is to examine ourselves. Okay? And I want us to take a moment and just reflect. Have some time with the Lord to press into Him. Allow Him to speak to you on those lines. And then I will um, share just a few things, and then we'll partake together at the end. So for, <clears throat> before we partake together, I just want to ask six more questions once again. I want you guys just to be honest before God and allow His Spirit just to examine your hearts In these questions, first question being is, how do I demonstrate resistance to God? Next one, how important is it to you to have all the answers? Next one, how do you handle feelings raised by the fear of not having respect of others? What qualifies a person to be effectively used by God? What are some ways to be certain you are hearing God's voice? And lastly, how do you appropriate God's power in your life? So, Father, we give thanks to you as we consider these things. Lord, we know that <clears throat> there really is no clarity. God, we see our shortcomings. Truly really just a hopelessness without you, Jesus. That's why it's so good to remember you, to come to your table as believers, to partake in communion together. We're thankful, Lord, that we get to remember all that you have done the life you lived and what you accomplish in being that perfect sacrifice for us and upon the cross the blood you shed what that means this new covenant the forgiveness of sins to be redeemed to be adopted into your family we give thanks for that and as your kids being this cho- chosen people um we're grateful we're grateful for that grace of yours your mercy towards us God and I would ask Lord that you'd help each and every one of us Lord just to have a sure footing upon who you are Lord and what you're asking of us that we'd set our hearts to really seek you to know you Lord to remember um, yeah who you are what you do, and the things that you've promised, the things you're going to do. Thank you that you haven't hidden those things from us, Lord, but you have revealed them to us. We give thanks to you for that. So as we partake, Lord, of the bread and the cup, Lord, we remember and we give thanks. Cool. Let's partake together, guys. So, you guys are going to be dismissed in a moment just want to leave you with this thought either this is for you or you can share it with somebody else because it's easy for us to feel inadequate in life and that's totally okay because we have a big God amen amen Cool. love you guys have a great week in Jesus and Lord willing we will see you back here next week We're going to get into Corinthians 5 and 6. And I would encourage you guys to do some reading ahead. We're going to cover a lot of ground and hit on some really hard issues, um, culturally speaking especially. But God's word is very clear and very helpful. So I'm looking forward to diving into that with you guys. Cool? Cool.